Fictional Page presents Read Before Midnight, Season 1, Episode 3, Who We Used to Be, by W.H. Maxwell, read by the author. She opened her eyes for the first time and saw him leaning over her. Two opal spheres, twin moons, were all that reflected back in the darkness. Then the pain came, like a cold steel coil twisting up inside her, and she retched. It's all right, came the other's voice. It's natural in the beginning. You have been through a great ordeal, but you will continue. Between his words and her own throbbing chokes, she could begin to feel the rest of the pain coming on. Stiffness in the muscles, a stabbing on her right side above the armpit that hurt each time her stomach buckled, and her head, worst of all. She gulped at the air like a fish pulled onto the shore, straining to take in the relief, an end to the growing awareness of the misery her body was in. The side of her face was puffy. Her jaw and skull felt as though they had been pressed hard in a vice. Right forearm bent oddly so that the nerves felt numb and cold. It's almost over now. His voice came again. Just hold on to it. Let the feeling grow inside of you. Her mind began to race as another shockwave rolled through her, back arcing. What happened? How had she gotten here? She had been, the memory came slowly, like a distant dream cast away in the morning light, strung back together by spider silk, driving home. It had been a long day at the building with the blue letters, and the car had seemed so slow, with the windows down and the music playing. Bright! Horrifically bright summer sun had come through the windows, and she had loved it. She had loved all of it, and had wanted it to last, and had driven so slowly, because she was afraid. In the darkness, she tried to cry out as the pain crescendoed higher, reaching unimaginable plateaus. Her voice caught on itself in a harsh cry that sounded more like some primordial bird than a person. Spittle and more flew from her mouth and nose as she wept. I'm here came the voice. Do not be afraid. And she wasn't. Not anymore. She remembered the car, her car, had coasted gently into the gravel drive of the two-floor bungalow, with a timid ease reserved for animals that skittered along the forest floor. Her rosary swayed and flicked bits of light around the car as it came to a stop. Groceries were in the seat next to her, gathered in a quick handful on her way back from the building with the blue letters. The hospital... Her work, she remembered. She had stopped on her way back from work and had driven home. She lived in the upstairs half of the bungalow, the part that was above ground. The staircase, an external thing made of aging wood, would creak threateningly at her with each step. With no landlord or tenant, with love enough for the building to fix it, the staircase had declined into a state long past repair. The staircase had frightened her too. Each step, each creak, caused a little skip in her heart the world ready to give out from under her like it always seemed to. The downstairs space had no neighbors, at least no new ones, for months since the kid who liked to party had moved out. When the last winter had passed, the elderly couple who had lodged there for the previous two years split, and the party kid showed up to take their place. It had been party after party for a whole summer, night after night of drinking and music and the sound of boys and girls living it up. When he had left... The sounds of rock and roll and people had gone with him. The smell of beer and cigarettes had stayed. She didn't live alone. She remembered that. 
When she was at the top of the stairs, she fussed, pulling her jangle of keys from her purse while managing the bag of groceries before finding her way inside. Still dark, she sighed with relief and flicked on the lights. She could still remember that clearly and was confident in the action if not much else. In the present, her face half-pressed against the same carpet only hours later, she could remember the distinct hum the lights had made when she turned them on. She remembered how bright the light was, so bright it was hard for her to think about, but somehow she had barely noticed at the time. Another quake of pain exploded inside of her, an electrical current coursing down her spine. She spasmed, rolling onto her side and bending forward and backward in involuntary jerks. Her hands clawed at her stomach, pulling at the skin across her chest and tearing at her already ripped clothes. Cold sweat beaded on her forehead, and his long fingers came down to dab it gently away. Do you remember? The other said, distant and starry, white eyes watching, waiting in the shadows. No, she managed, feeling like she would simultaneously vomit and scream and lose her mind. God, no. What did you do? What is... But she couldn't finish, as pain twisted inside her, and flashes of light popped in and out of existence before her straining eyes. It was too much for her. Slow. The voice came again, but she slapped his hands away. They were so cold. Even in the briefest of touches, she could feel their chill. And then, she remembered again. When she had come inside, the ashtray was still cold next to the recliner, and the beer on the little table had stopped sweating hours ago. Good, she had thought. Another relief. Good. She put the groceries away and got to work loading and unloading the dishes from the machine. When that was done, she pulled the chicken she had brought back out of the refrigerator and onto a pan and into the oven. Just as she set the timer, she heard the sound of a diesel engine in the distance. She froze, listening. Had she really? Or had it just been her imagination? There it was again, this time steady and a little bit closer. Not waiting, she moved quickly and with the familiar motions of a ritual that had been repeated dozens, hundreds of times before. She went to each room, starting with the bedroom and ending in the kitchen by the front door. Windows were closed, sheets were straightened, towels picked up and gathered from the bathroom floor. Lastly, she found a tomato and a knife. She began to chop the vegetable for no purpose whatsoever, doing her best to appear totally absorbed in her work when she heard the crunch of gravel under tires. Do you remember? He asked again, when the pain had slowed and the spasming stopped. She was beginning to see the outline of his face, porcelain and white as the edge of moonlight against the black, his features sharp and smooth and beautiful, like a sculpture come to life. The boots made loud stomping and plodding sounds as the heavy feet that carried them trudged up the stairs. Even the staircase did not complain under the weight, but took each step with obedient silence. The door fluttered open and smacked the wall. The man, Jesse, was big, much bigger than her, with flat, broad hands and a boyish-turned-hard face. It filled her with joy, and hope, and sadness, and regret, and fear. Fear, most. All at the same time. Whatever Jesse felt was miles away, though. She knew it by the slack look on his face and the flat stare he sent back at her. There was no joy or hope or sadness or fear there. Simply face, eyes, and whatever other functions the booze had left operating at minimum capacity. She had seen the same look as a girl, watching sharks and tigers on the TV. Laura, Jesse said. Do you remember? The voice came again. Yes, she said back to it. At last, a feeling of relief 
A sense of cool, breaking water against her boiling, humming nerves. Yes, she said again, exhaling in satisfaction. I remember. Laura, Jessie said, and she snapped back into the memory of what had happened. Chickens for dinner, Laura said, a smile plastered stiffly on her face. Jesus, bitch, again? There was a pause between each word that frightened her in its own way, and the unrecognizing look in his eyes was cold. But nothing followed. Instead, he lumbered into the bathroom, not bothering to close the door. The fading light of the sun outside cast the interior of the cramped apartment in an orange glow. She prepped the rest of the meal, nothing fancy, leftover noodles and frozen vegetables as microwavable sides for the bird. Jesse gave several grunts from the other room, and more than once mumbled loudly to himself in what Laura has come to think of as inevitable shits. Mostly, he will play drunkenly on his phone, scrolling through social media or internet clips before inevitably shitting and leaving the bathroom. Over the years, she has grown grateful for the little pauses, and was hoping that tonight he would sober up some before coming back out. Just as the last red-gold streams of light found their way inside, Jesse meandered out of the bathroom, still fastening his belt. Guy at work showed me this, he said to her, holding up his phone. She can't remember what it was about and her head swims when she tries. The pain inside her chest and stomach rolled again, bringing her back into the moment, the darkness, the broken body, and the stranger kneeling over her. His slender fingers brushed gently at her hair. Try to remember. It's important for later. She did. Whatever the video was, she laughed, though it wasn't funny. Then she reminded Jesse that their dinner was ready. Jesse made his way into the kitchen, surveying the scene. In here? he asked. She thought this was a stupid question, even for a drunk guy. She nodded. Yeah, here, I'll get you a plate. I can get my own damn plate, he said indignantly. And he looked briefly like an oversized baby, stubbornly arguing with his parents. He fumbled through the cabinet next to the sink and removed a plate before setting in on the chicken and the sides. Strong fingers pulled apart bone and meat until half the bird was torn apart on the plate, before he moved on to the rest of the meal. When he finally exited past her, without a word, Laura was grateful. The time when he dropped a cup, a plastic one that only bounced along the ground, she had watched as he threw down the contents of both countertops with two broad sweeping motions. Then, before she could stop him, he had taken the dinner and their plates and silverware and hurled them across the living room. What followed that was worse, and had forced her to call off sick two days from work, and an extra set of foundation to cover up the bruises. He made his way to the couch in front of the TV, her full attention on him until he had fumbled the remote onto a sports station. Only when he was fully settled, fully engrossed in what he was watching, and not her, did she make herself a plate. Even here she was careful of what she took, and how much, unnaturally aware of the ratio of greens to meat on her plate. The little jabbing comments were far from the worst of it, but it was something that had engulfed and ensnared her over time, until she was conscious of every little detail. Time, persistence, and thoughtful gnawing had caught her between a web of rules and standards that only he and her could see, which changed with the wind. When she was satisfied with how things looked on her dish, and in the kitchen, with a final look back to the TV, she moved to sit beside him. This was an expectation, not a desire, she remembered. This was what Jesse did, so this was what they did. 
It wasn't a question to be pondered, but a state of the world at large, like gravity or sunset. It's when she is performing this ritual that things go wrong, in a gross series of minor blunders. A player on the TV dropped the ball, and the whole thing rolled into motion. In protest and surprise, Jesse raised his arm and began to stand, as Laura was meeking behind him into her spot on the couch. She could see it happening in slow motion, both in memory and as it happened. Could see his dumb blunder destroy another dinner she had worked to prepare. After working a full day, after getting up early, after all of his drunkenness and stupid bullshit, and after, after, after... The dinner plate spun in the air, food flying against Laura's clothes and hair before it tumbled onto the couch and carpet. Jesse, reacting to the situation, bumped the table harder than he would have sober, and more food and drinks spilled onto the carpet. What the fucking shit, babe, he said, and his glower. It was his stupid glower that did it. It wasn't that he was angry, but that he was sincerely angry, somehow believing in that instance that before words had even exchanged, that somehow she, and not him, had done this. You fucking idiot, she said. She went rigid and froze at once, her eyes locked instantly to his. Already his face seemed to tighten even more, if somehow possible, and cocked sideways like a dog hearing a new sound for the first time. A little shift from white to pink around his ears, and the fixed look on his face soured any appetite she may have still had. Jesse, I'm sorry, the word spilled out. I'll clean it up. I'll clean it. The man she had started dating when he still had baby fat covering half his face appeared to go vacant. She was still in the middle of bending over to pick up the plate, mumbling the apology along, when the blow from his knee collided with the right side of her face. She tumbled over, landing hard enough to knock the wind out of her. Selfish bitch, he screamed, his face blood red and inches from her face. Spittle flew from between his teeth. Selfish fucking bitch, I'm stupid, I'm stupid. His boot moved, big and tan, and her ribs exploded in pain. She threw her right arm numbly in front of her, trying to get to her knees, to move. The arm came forward, but fell limp below the elbow. She still crawled forward on one arm, toward the kitchen. I'm at that goddamn floor six days a week, he was still shouting, following her as she inched along. When she reached the linoleum a moment later, he rounded on her again, Two, three kicks into her side. Gasping for breath between blows, she can remember the tears and blood and sobbing that she was sorry. That was the worst part of it. She remembered the sadness that she had felt and the hopelessness of it all. Manically, he stopped and paced to the couch, screaming about something, but at this point, Laura could not understand the words. Blood was pumping in her ears. With her good arm, she leveraged herself to the counter. Her left eye, the one not swelling shut, focused on her phone at the end of the counter. Like a nightmare, knowing that he saw her, she made a futile effort for it before his heavy boot steps reached her first. She reached the knife as her head was snapped back, a fistful of hair yanked hard, then down again. Her head hit something with a deafening sound. He had the knife in his hand now, and his face was unrecognizable, contorted, and teeth bared. Then he brought the knife down, and there was a cold shock. And... Do you remember? The other asked her again, and there was a tenderness in his voice.
there was a kind of love in his words, a promise of more. She nodded. The pain inside her slowly faded, like the memories she was still playing out. Both ebbed away like a tide, never to return. She remembered the initial pain, the fear, the regret, and the confusion of it all, surreal and more nightmarish than she could fully comprehend in the present. She remembered the feeling of slipping away, the feeling of the warmth going out of her, trickling along her skin. She remembered Jesse's face, surprised and scared and weeping. She remembered him running for the front door, then slamming it shut. How long had she laid there in those final moments, each strained breath hard fought, and for what? Moments? Hours? It could not have been long, but it felt like an eternity whose existence still stained her mind. The sound of a door closing gently from downstairs. She remembered briefly thinking of Jesse coming back, and thinking she did not have the strength to even scream. There was no sound on the stairs, but the knock that came at the door was firm. The voice on the other side didn't wait. Can I come in? It asked. She didn't understand. She wondered why Jesse had come back, but knew at the same time that it was not him. Was it a stranger come to help? In her final thoughts, maybe, maybe it was some good man after all these years come to help her. She tried to speak, but began coughing up blood that pulled out her mouth and nose. With tears in her eyes, half unconscious already, she heard him again. Can I come in? So calm, so peaceful. She managed to nod, and that was enough. The door moved aside faster than she thought possible, and the other was upon her. He embraced her, his long, delicate fingers like polished alabaster against her skin, moving over her, lifting her. His cheek pressed against hers, his face buried in her neck as they rose gently toward the ceiling. She remembered feeling light, floating and free, and all of the sadness and pain was gone as she watched the ceiling come closer and the world grow dim. In the darkness, she could see him perfectly well. His face was chiseled marble with two eyes that reflected all the colors of night. Softly, a finger caressed her face. He smiled, and in doing so flashed his long teeth. The pain of it all was a distant memory. Her body was healed, and she observed under the rips in her clothes and the blood that had stained them, only smooth, pale skin remained, whole and firm, more supple than it had been before. She felt like a newborn, clean and alive. She felt light and unencumbered. A little chill was all, and a growing sense of thirst. The two of them waited for several hours in the apartment, the other clinging silently to the wall. The other watched as she moved about, picking up what had been her things, inspecting each as if it was entirely new to her. Then, when the diesel engine started up miles away, her eyes found his in quiet affirmation. The rumble on the staircase was preceded by the heavy, frantic steps of a man in panic. Jesse opened the door and rounded the corner to the kitchen, fumbling in the darkness at the light switch. When nothing happened, not thinking about why, he pulled out his phone, using the flashlight to see. The garbage bag in his other hand rustled stupidly with the bleach and the box of latex gloves inside, and it swung into his other hand, causing him to drop his phone. 
He bent over and picked it up off the floor with an awkward grunt, standing upright again, and cast the beam across the kitchen. Blood was smeared along the walls and cabinets, and pulled along the linoleum flooring, but no body was where it should have been, and she watched with satisfaction at the confusion that dawned on his face. Jesse, she said from behind him, little more than a whisper. He jumped backwards, spinning, his shock and surprise something new and pleasing to her. She was cold, pale, and beautiful in a way that transcended his situation. Laura, Jesse said, sounding and looking like a boy again. Jesus, Laura, honey, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I will never do that again. Never anything at all. Are you okay? Are you... How are you? Now sobbing and stepping forward. Laura, honey, I thought... I thought I hurt you. I thought... But he didn't finish. She shook her head slowly, large, round eyes blinking slowly. Not at all, honey. And she took a small step forward. I'm just cold. She crossed her arms in front of herself, knowing, waiting. When he forgetfully dropped the bag in his hand and extended his arms, she met his embrace. Her fingers met around the small of his back and locked together. I'm just so glad you're okay. Jesse said. Laura purred softly, pushing her face harder into his chest, flexing her arms like unforgiving stone. Instinctively, Jesse tried to move a step back, but she held firm. I'm so glad you're okay, Jesse said again, a slight strain in his voice this time. She tightened her grip forcefully, and Jesse gave a little gasp. Laura, honey, he said, let go a second. My back. But she didn't let go. Instead, she held tighter, pressing her face into his broad chest and biting through first cloth and then skin. Jesus, fuck, Laura! Jesse wailed in surprise, trying to push her off. She was stuck on him, though, her face raking back and forth in side-to-side motions like a dog with a rabbit. Blood wetted her hair and flung in paint-like arcs across the kitchen. Jesse screamed, true panic now, trying to wrench the tiny woman off of him as she ripped strips of his flesh off with her mouth. With a final tear, face smattered crimson, she threw him hard to the ground, and he slid across the linoleum into the cabinet on the far end. Jesse was back on his feet again, panting, but she was already gone, melting back into the shadows. His eyes darted frantically, face slack in shock and disbelief. The apartment was again empty save the shadows that danced in the light of a passing car. His hands padded at his chest where rolling streams of hot red were soaking his shirt and moaned like a scared and wounded animal. Fixed to the wall above, she watched as a cat would watch a wounded mouse and smiled. Shaking, Jesse took one step toward the door and then another, eyes wide and white in the darkness. She let him get close almost within arm's reach before she pounced. Her movement was faster than he could follow, and she was on him before he could raise his hands. In an instant, she lifted and pinned him against the wall, pressing him against it like a leather strap in a vice. Her incredible strength betrayed the tiny frame of her body. Teeth burrowed back through the cloth and skin until the sound of her eating became wet. Pieces of him tore free as he watched and she fed. Her hand covered his mouth, 
with unnaturally strong marble white fingers, muffling his screams. The other did not act on his instincts, instead observing as she fed for the first time, and remembered his own birth night. When the man stopped wiggling, his limbs limp, and the little drumming of his feet gone silent, he waited for her to finish. When she was done, her clothes again wet and red and dripping, they went downstairs and waited for the sun to rise and the day to pass. He told her of long ago, of Egypt and Greece and Rome. She asked him where they would go and what they would do. But he had not thought much about this. There never was much need to. She could drive a car, and that was good since he did not know how. The rosary and crucifix would have to go, of course, but that could wait. Until then, they slept next to each other, the first of many long embraces, and they forgot who they used to be. Thank you very much for listening. Your thoughts and time are very valuable, so thank you for choosing to spend some of it here with me. Wherever you are out there, know that you are not alone and that we will be here to keep telling stories through the night. If you enjoyed this story, please like and subscribe and tell friends and family who like this sort of stuff. As an independent writer and artist, producing these works takes a ton of time and effort done purely from a passion to tell stories. If you want to support me directly, please consider checking out my other works at www.fictionalpage.com or become a patron at patreon slash fictionalpage or use the links below. Thanks for listening, and until next time.